Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Energetic Radio Podcast, episode number 244 with Dr. Mindy Gerwitz. Mindy, how are you today? I'm fabulous. Thank you so much. No worries. Now, we're going to get into everything you're doing, but uh, one thing I I really wanted to have you on the show because anxiety, stress, it's at an all-time high. I know people, doesn't matter what walk of life you're from, where you live in the world, so we, we are all struggling from a COVID hangover that still isn't going away and, and building safe connections um, and feeling, you know, connected wherever you are, at the workplace with loved ones, family and friends who haven't seen is so important. So before we get onto that, can you give everyone a little bit of your background about why you are the best in the business at what we're going to talk about today? Okay. Well, what I do, the collaborative networks, we're a leadership and a coaching consulting firm. And I really think what differentiates us in our work is that our leaders get the best of both worlds, meaning that for some folks, they really specialize in coaching the individual or perhaps coaching the team or doing change management. And we believe our philosophy is if you only change the individual, but not the system, then guess what? All you get is frustrated individuals because you haven't changed the system. But if you only change the system, but you don't coach the teams and the individuals to change within the new system, then guess what? You don't have sustainability because it's the people that make the change. Because all they'll say is, ah, just the flavor of the month, forget it. So we do both. And actually my background is in both. So before I became an executive coach, a master level certified coach through the International Coaching Federation, I actually was a therapist and a board certified diplomat therapist. So I come from very much a clinical background and I use that, don't do therapy anymore, but I use that in my understanding. So it's a very rich and deep understanding. At the same time, my doctoral work is an organizational behavior. So I really come from a very um, systemic approach and understanding the whole ecosystem and how to change that. So both from a theoretical and an application stance, we use both the system and the team and the individual. Think of it as a 3D game of chess. Uh, that we work with. So we work with all levels and that makes for a much more robust. And that what really makes us the best. And the second reason we're the best is because we only choose clients that really want to change. And I'll share with you what I, why I have such a good record. What I tell my clients is very simply, one, are you ready to do something different? 
Because if you're only going to do what you always did, you're only going to get what you've always gotten. So don't waste <laughs> so your true. time and don't waste your money. <laughs> you know? So let's call it quits now. Two, are you going to be committed to showing up? Who was it that said half of life is showing up? Woody Allen. And that's what it is. You're going to tell me you don't have time to show up? That means that you're not committed. So make that time. And I really, all my clients set the time and we have a scheduled time and they really do show up. So there's got to be a commitment. There's got to be readiness, willingness to change. So when they say to me, I don't know how to change. I mean, I'm willing on it. That's fine. You don't have to know how. That's what we'll work out together. You just have to be ready. So do you know the old joke of how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm interested. Though. Okay. <laughs> Only one. But the light bulb has to want to change. Yeah, very true. Yes, I like that. So when I see that a client is not ready, not interested, then it doesn't make sense. And I tell the client, when you're ready, we'll be here. And very often the client will get ready very fast (laughs) because it's exposed. Well, what do I need to do, Mindy, to get ready? That's a different question. We'll help you get ready. So right from the beginning, I like to set the foundation strong. What do you need? What does the organization need? And we try to go where the energy is. Okay, the whole organization isn't ready. They never are. I would have no work if I thought, uh, you know, waiting for a whole organization to be ready. <laughs> so what I will tell a senior leader, who's ready? Where's, where's the peace? Where are the hungry young folks who are ready for the change? Put a team of those folks together and we'll create the change. And they may not be the people at the top. They may be people at the middle. They may be people from wherever. But get me those cue givers that people listen to and who are hungry and ready to make change happen, often millennials, and they will drive the change. And then we go. So that is a long-winded answer to your very brief question. (laughs) No, I really enjoy that. And um, I don't want to ponder too much on, you know, COVID, but how is you obviously with your background of working with so many people and before that in clinical psychology and things like that, how have you seen a change in people's mindset, their attitude, their energy over the last two years? Has it been from obviously all your research, has it been really astounding? It has been a quantum leap, both on the individual level and on the organizational level. On the individual level, it's as if a light bulb was turned on. And I'll give you an example. So I was teaching uh, at Lewis University uh, coaching methodologies, and I had a managing partner in one of the big four companies say to Mindy, say to me, Mindy, I don't understand 
why my people are just not doing what they used to do. These were road warriors. They were high, very smart people. And now they're missing deadlines. They're saying they're not sure what to do. And they're really just, it's miserable. I don't know what to do with them. And so I asked him, this was kind of at the beginning of COVID when we really, everything was so up in the air. And I said, did you ask them how they're doing? He said, no, I should ask them what they're doing. We never ask each other what, but yeah. <laughs> so, you know, these are real men and they don't eat quiche and stuff. And I said to him, try something different. Ask them how they are doing working now from home. And who's at home with them? And what's going on? Just do a little check-in. And he did. And he came back and he said, oh, my God. I thought I was the only one with my wife home and the computer and the kids and everybody. <laughs> but these guys, I have it good in comparison to these guys. And everybody has a different story. And he suddenly realized that Oh my God, no wonder they're all going. No wonder the stress and the distress that's happening is real. You know, here I thought that, oh, people don't have to commute. People don't have to fly anywhere anymore. They're home with their loved ones. This should be a piece of cake, but it's not. Mm. So um, relationships are just not the same over Zoom. Yeah. Uh, you know, people get Zoom sickness as well Zoom uh, so, you know how many hours can you sit in front of zoom and feel like you're just you know you got to get away from that screen every hour uh otherwise your eyes get tired your body gets tired so he suddenly realized oh i need to do something different don't i and i said yes you do now you need to check in with them you need to show your empathy. And he was a pretty empathetic guy. I mean, he was going to be a coach, actually, when he retired. So, and, you know, that's what he wanted to do. But he didn't make the connection, even as a coach, that he needs to do something different with this amazing cohort. So yeah. even these stalwart road warriors were having a difficult time. And these were guys used to working like, you know, 60, 80 hours a week and not having to travel was just not cutting it. So the stress and distress, you can imagine how much worse it is for people at a different strata who don't have the resources available to them where yeah. everybody has a computer and everybody has room and finances is not as difficult and they have jobs and they have benefits so it gets substantially worse yeah and especially with people who then end up losing the jobs or go on furlough or worry about that happening so it's become exponentially worse and worse for the middle class than it ever was so you know, the, it's always hard for people who are minimum wage and so on. And you don't look at that. But when the middle class, all of a sudden, then it becomes a catastrophe. 
<laughs> Very true. So, you know, what happens is when the people left New York City and they're able to go to their home in New Zealand, it's hard to feel badly for them. But when people are stuck in New York City in their apartments, um, it becomes unsafe uh, because crime is, is really going up. That's a whole different story. So, or even people, um, and I know this from my own niece who was like, just had a baby and like, how do I go down the elevator with a newborn and press buttons or do things that I don't know what's safe and what even isn't safe. Can I go to the park or not to the park? Um, and of course there's background noise from my telephone that I did not close <laughs> off. So sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right, um, no worries. <laughs> uh, and that will be shut off. So there's a lot more going on that we didn't count for that. Mm. You know, no one really thought about it affects us emotionally. It affects us physically. You know, you don't go to your gym anymore. You're not going outside anymore. Now everybody's a couch potato during the pandemic. Yeah. And people didn't go out with their families. Uh, I can tell you from my own experience, what my children did with their kids is they came with a blanket in the good weather and they put it out in front of the uh, a tree and the kids sat there. And when one, one, one of them wanted to go to the bathroom, they said, no, you can't go in. It's not safe. And I'm like, what are they supposed to do? <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. They go behind the bushes. <laughs> uh, yeah, come in and go to the bathroom. But my kids were horrified. But, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? So the stress and the anxiety have gone through the roof and everybody's feeling it. And of course, you know, there are different populations. It's not the same for everyone. Mm. Uh, older populations are a greater danger than younger populations and so on. And uh, the question is also, how are you able to cope and how are people coping? Some people are coping better than others. Some people have coping mechanisms and other people do not. But even the strongest we're seeing, like, how come, men, you know, I'm strong. What's, what's going on? Like, they're like, why is this happening to me? This is not supposed to be happening to me. I'm like, so it's kind of like a shock to them that they're feeling it. And then there are people who it's really hard for all the time and it just becomes even harder. So the answer to your question is, it is exponentially more difficult and it's spreading out over time too. Mm. Organizationally, it's really incredible what's happened, the change. And I can tell you some of it is good believe it or not, that comes out of the chaos. It's for the first time leaders realize that people are important mm -hmm. and how we treat people is important. So when a leader gets up to address people, all of a sudden empathy becomes important. They need to see the leader as a human being. 
And so when the leader's dog is barking in the background and the leader takes the dog, because the dog, of course, like any little kid would, is like, excuse me, you're on the telephone and you need to come play with me right now. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's no different. And the leader takes the dog and whatever. Everybody loves that because it humanizes the leader. Mm. And when the leader is calm and cares for people and says, here's the three things we're going to do to help. And we want to hear from you what you really need and that we do care. It's unbelievable the difference that it makes for people. And all of a sudden, leaders have begun, which is amazing. We've known this all along. Leaders should have known this all along, but suddenly it's like, dung, you know, <laughs> I could have had a V8. It's like, oh, empathy really is important for the leader. And it is now really clear that leaders have gotten the message yeah. at the top that, you know, people are not going to go back to the old way of living anymore. Mm. That's like, no more. You know, we need the flexibility. We like the flexibility. It's important to us. And organizationally, the digitization of the world, if you would ask the leader, can we stay home and do the work at home? The leader would have looked at you, what? You know, you're lazy. You don't want to come in. You know. Now the leader is like, they're doing a better job at home than they did here. <laughs> Wherever now it works. Like, yep. uh, the, the research is showing that people are really productive at home. So, you know, they're not kind of like lazing themselves out. We can do this. And hey, guess what? It's a lot cheaper not to have those office buildings in New York City, you know, sitting there and doing when people could work from home and not have to commute for an hour when they're out on the island. So all of a sudden, the whole field of the, you know, we knew it was coming and it was going to be here in a couple of years, but boy, did it happen in a few months. What would have happened over a year? Because suddenly everybody said, okay, we got to make everything now for Zoom. So you got two months, three months to make it happen. And it happened as opposed to slowly making changes. So yeah. the world has changed rapidly and accelerated. Um, great for companies. Um, so all of the, you know, we're now shopping online like crazy people more than ever. I mean, we were always moving towards shopping online, but now it's even older people are buying everything much more online. Now we're just so happy to be able to go grocery shop <laughs> for <Right>. engagement. <laughs> you know, so true. To feel the tomato, but to see other people. So it has made a big difference. And it, the question is how has. it's going to change. Yeah. And we, so, we sorry, I could talk forever. No, no, no. So. Yeah, really just enjoying... interrupt me. No, 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 no. I'm sitting back and I'm really enjoying that. And what I've taken out of what you just said there that, um, Yes, it's been a it's been a rough couple of years, but there are also a lot of positives. And one, as you just said, is empathy and different examples you just said there that 
we shouldn't always assume what other people are going through because we don't know. So simply asking the question, how are you feeling? What can, what can I do to make you better? How can I make things more comfortable is one of them. But also I think we are now empathetic for people from different classes, different, different walks of life, because a lot of time, and I know I was probably one of these people that why don't you just get a job, go and work, do something. But it's not that easy. And when that gets taken away from you, so I know myself, I've been really struggling because I've wanted to go and present. I've wanted to travel and do keynotes, but I physically can't. Um, and it's not not people like, why aren't you doing it? Why don't you work? Well, now I'm more empathetic for other people. So have you found that that's something that not only leaders, but just the general population have understood each other a bit better and, as you just said, been more empathetic? Yes. And I think there's kind of like two things happening at the same time um, that people are um, showing more gratitude, um, kind of grateful for there's a, a sense of family work isn't the most important thing in my life anymore. Like, again, hit on the head with, you know, a lot of people died with COVID that we didn't expect. And we really should treasure the life we have and our family and our friends and what's, what is important to me. And so I have a client who um, gave up his fabulous position to go support his wife, whose, whose parent um, is very sick in a European, Eastern European country, and she has to be there for them. And he's going to be there for her. And in the past, his colleagues never would have understood. Mm, they so were true. like, you're crazy, man. <laughs> you know, you have FaceTime, you know, you stay here, she'll go there, and you know, you go on the weekends. It's easy a shuttle to Europe. Everybody understood. Yeah. Nobody questioned him. It's a that that piece of empathy that you're talking about of relationship and connection. We really do understand. Mm. Yet at the same time, I sense that there's a lot of uneasiness, unrest. Um, you're hearing a lot about uh, in New York, New Jersey, where I am in the states that I never heard, like, rent, it seems random, but it's too often where people will push somebody off on a train, on the rails of a train station. Who does that? Wow. Or what, deliberate, deliberately? Deliberately. I mean, that's, you know, there's a lot of rage behind that. And it's not just a mentally ill person. So there's a lot of pent up rage that's happening, at least in the US. I don't mm. know if you see it where you are. And a lot of it is because of the tremendous inequality that you see happening. Mm. And with the economic situation that we're facing, where some people are doing just great and some people are really doing very poorly. And um, 
it doesn't look like it's going to change very soon. No, it doesn't. So, and between the uncertainty, see, when there's uncertainty, when when stuff is, um, it's like not knowing where the edge of a roof is. If you know where the edge of the roof is, you stay away from it. <laughs> but if you don't know where the edge of the roof is, then the edge looks like it's everywhere. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. I, With my kids, we went on an escape room that was virtual reality. So you're standing, you put the stuff in, but then you're immersed. And we were immersed in a tomb with different levels. I knew cognitively that even though it was a big drop, I was just standing. But let me tell you, when my foot got close to that, what looked like a flip <laughs> and I was going to go over it, I needed to touch the side or like, oh, I just got, well, it was too much because it felt yeah. so real. And the uncertainty we're living in right now, both economically and between Russia and China, and who knows, hopefully mm. cooler heads will prevail. But it is a time of huge uncertainty. And when there is so much uncertainty, at least people used to have their jobs. You know, yeah. okay, the world out there is uncertain, but the world of work is certain. My family is certain. My health is certain. How many certainties do we have left? Not our health with COVID, not our jobs anymore, really. We can't even get to them mostly. <laughs> Maybe on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but we're not in there five days a week, mostly. So it plays havoc with the brain. Going back to the neuroscience, our brains are lazy. We have lazy brains. Over the years, it's very simple. Our brain is there to protect us. And our brain is used to looking out for the bear behind every tree. Today, no bear, but a social threat is just as, as much as a bear to our brain. So when it sees all of these social threats everywhere, the amygdala gets activated. So think about your brain like this. Here's your executive function, the prefrontal cortex. Here's down here, the basal ganglia in the back. And the limbic brain, which is a primitive brain, has in it the amygdala. The amygdala is where the emotions, your connection, all the emotions are. And that gets triggered. And the neurochemicals, like cortisol, get triggered. And that makes us tense, anxious, stressed. Now, if we're like all excited about something and it gets us a little stressed, that's not bad. If we're stressed once in a while, okay, because stuff is happening, that's not so bad either. But if every day we wake up and we go into the office or we go into our Zoom, and we're constantly stressed because we don't know what the day is going to be like. Or we're worried about our wife's job. Or we're worried about our kids catching COVID while they're in school with a mask, not with the mask, whether or not they're going to have to be homeschooled because someone in the class has COVID. So the whole class is now quarantined for two weeks. Uh, and we don't have all the computers we need in the house. So all of this kind of just builds. I mean, it's 18 months. We're going on two years. It's a long time. 
all of this to happen. So the real question is what to do. Yeah. So, so with that, obviously everything you've just mentioned there, you know, even listening to it, you feel a bit anxious about oh, the situation. Okay, good. Do you know what I mean? Like, ah, what is happening? <laughs> exactly. So now what do we do? That's it. So you've mentioned obviously gratitude and I'm huge on gratitude, being grateful for what we do have instead of what we don't have. And I think sometimes that is a little bit easier than other times to be grateful for things when, you know, there may not be so many around, but you can still find things. What are some other ways, Mindy, that ah, we can take a deep breath and just feel good about ourselves and, and get back living? Yes. So there are many things you can do. Um, physical social, spiritual, um, even as simple as, and I'll go through all of them. And even doing some of these will really have an impact. And each of these things impact the other things. So one of the most important and simple things is eating right. So when we're all stressed, it's just easier to reach for the chocolate Mm -hmm. Uh, for some of us it's the chocolate bar for some of us it's the salty potato chips um and so many of us have gained weight over covid because we're not exercising and we're not eating right so being able to go back on track in terms of eating right and sleeping a lot of us have not been sleeping the way we used to sleep. So getting a good night's sleep, getting back on good, nutritious food is really kind of the cornerstone. But beyond that, there are things you can do daily that can help. So number one is like you're saying, uh, whether or not you meditate or even as simple as learning how to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Just something simple like breathing in, holding it for five seconds and breathing out a little bit longer than you breathed in. So maybe for six seconds and building that up. And that helps because it calms down your body physically. And you calm your body physically, then mentally you calm down. So that's important. So to be able to give yourself time, going back to the brain, for the brain, for your prefrontal cortex to kick in. Because what happens is when we're triggered, our amygdala gets triggered first. If we can hold ourselves together for that 10 seconds, our prefrontal cortex can kick in and then we can respond much better. So even if we just count to 10, we do a lot better because until then, only our emotion. So what I do with clients is I work with them on the triggers. Like they know when they go into a meeting, okay, we're going into this meeting. I'm going to be triggered when he or she doesn't have that report <laughs> on time. I'm going to be triggered when I hear that we're losing X amount of money or 
So when I get triggered, I kind of yell or scream, and I know I shouldn't be doing that, but I can't help it. Okay. Now you're going to practice being triggered and waiting. So if you hold yourself and you just breathe, not for people to see you, it's not a big dramatic, it's 10 seconds can go by very fast. It's all the prefrontal cortex needs to be in charge again. You have to know your trigger. You have to understand that you're being triggered and then you act on being triggered. And it's unbelievable. The brain picks up very fast. Oh, I'm going to the meeting. I know what these triggers are. Oh, when the trigger happens, I have a response. Because if you tell your brain to stop it, you know what the brain says? No. (laughs) The brain will say, no, I'm not stopping it. I'm protecting you. And the way the brain does listen, however, is if you give it an alternative response. So you say to the brain, I know you want to scream and yell. Instead, we're trying something different. What we're going to do instead is X, Y, Z. Then the brain says, oh, okay. If that's what you want to do, I will do that. Just don't tell me to stop something because I don't believe in stopping. So it's like your brain won't stop when you say, stop eating that. No, the brain says, I don't care what you say. I'm going to eat that. But if you give your brain choices, brain does much better. So when we learn to train our brain uh, to do what we truly want it to do, not what it thinks we want it to do, we can really make great changes. And it's the same thing with conversations. And that's what we do did in our book, Conversation Secrets, for emerging leaders, for tomorrow's leaders. 21 obvious secrets that leaders just don't use enough. So conversations have words that can change worlds. And when you are really stressed and anxious, the words that you use can make a huge difference Mm. for people. So one example that we use is very often people want to give someone feedback, right? And they want to say, oh, you did everything so great. But there's just this one little thing that you didn't do right. So guess how the person feels? Pretty low. The minute you say but, they mm. don't hear anything but the it's a but. horrible word. It's a horrible word. <laughs> and it's so, the brain just takes that word and it's like, I don't know anything you said before. I just magnify whatever you said after the book. Mm. So we teach yes and. And it's so interesting how hard it is to do. We are so used to saying yes, but, but, yes, but, but. When you can say in a meeting, and I work with my leaders all the time on this, when they say to me, Lindsay, I don't understand why nobody listens to me. You know, two conversations later, they said the exact same thing that I said. And they all listen to him or her, and they don't listen to me. 
okay, tell me what you said. Well, I said that everything you said is right, but you should really do it this way and that way. And I said, well, because you're just attacking them and they're glossing over whatever you say, try it differently. And it's funny, it's unbelievable. What happens? When you, when you validate what people say, and then you go, yes, I could see how that would work. And I'm thinking if we try this or add this, or even if you say alternatively, another way to do it, so you're not dismissing what they're saying. You're kind of building on what they're saying, adding to it, then makes a huge difference in the conversation. So the conversations you have today during the pandemic are so much more magnified uh, in importance, which is why we chose to write the book uh, on conversation secrets. Now, Mindy, I'm just everything you're saying there that so so applicable, yes, in the workplace, but we are all leaders. It doesn't matter when you go home, you've got a family, you've got friends, you, you're a leader in every aspect of your life. And being able to have those conversations, not using buts, not telling people what to do, but reframing it. And that's why I really wanted to have you on. Your book is so suitable for all of that. And as you said, people are... People are on edge. People are. One little thing can tick them off, even if you didn't mean it, just because of a simple way that you phrased it. So um, where can we grab your book? It's on Amazon and it's for everyone, isn't it? It's not just the leaders. We need to be able to communicate better than ever now. Yes, yes, absolutely. You can purchase it on Amazon. If you want to continue the conversation with me, you're welcome to reach out to me. I'm at mgewertz. I don't know if the uh, collaborative networks.net. I'm always happy to have conversation with people about this. It's a great passion of mine uh, to be able to have uh, people grow to their greatest potential. And during the pandemic, if I can, especially to be uh, any help to you, I'm more than happy to do so. And I really appreciate Dale, uh, being on this uh, podcast and hope this will be useful for your listeners. I feel privileged to be able to have the opportunity. Oh, thank you very much, Mindy. And I, and I know it will be because the way you have spoken about the brain and how it works, but also how simple our actions can be that we don't realize the impact they're having. And I know more than so than ever when you're at home with your partner all the time and you see the same person for two years, you don't actually realize the way that you may be speaking to that person, the, the issues that's causing or how it's making them feel. And like you just said, reframing it and being a little bit more empathetic. Like it, they're, they're so simple, but we just, we need that reality check to, to check ourselves, don't we? Absolutely. And I'd like to also give a shout out to my co-authors, uh, Carrie Gallant and Steve Hamilton Clark, before um, we say goodbye. Uh, it's been a pleasure working with them on this book. And I'm now on to my next endeavor on adaptability and the role it plays 
in conversations. Oh, so well, I can't wait to uh, see more from you, Mindy, and adaptable. I think, um, again, is a very fitting subject from uh, what we're all going through and, and being super adaptable. Now, um, on the link show notes 244 with Mindy, I'll have links for her book, website, and other ways you can connect with her. Um, because I know the way you have reframed things today, Mindy, um, it, it made a lot of sense to me. Um, and I also know the benefits of it. And just a little reminder that, you know, go a bit easy on yourself and the people you're around and simple conversations are really important. So um, thanks again, Mindy, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure.